0: 300 meters. Take a left at the valley. Now on CIVL 101.7 throughout the Fraser Valley.
1: Hi, this is Jeff D. of the Nonprofits, and I took a left at the valley. I woke up this morning Had a burning deep inside It's like a near feeling It's all a big lie I feel the pain. and despair.
2: Stop the of your teaching. Time for us to share. Water Welcome back to another episode of Left to the Valley. My name is Kevin. I'm your host. This is a show about secular humanism, positive atheism, and skeptical thinking. Joining me, as usual, is my co-host Nancy.
0: Good afternoon.
2: As well as our friend Connie and Martina, how are you guys? Good, good,
0: good. How are you?
2: Good, good. Well, I've got some great news to celebrate with all of our listeners. Finally, after all this time, yes, Left of the Valley will be airing live on CIVL one hundred one point seven FM out of the University of the Fraser Valley. Woohoo! Congratulations. Woo! <laughs> Don't be all too excited at the same time here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, it's great to be here. It really yeah. is.
2: It's, yeah, I actually want to thank people at the CIVL for giving us a shot, and we're actually recording in their studio, and we're actually having a bit of technical issues, and we're trying to sort through that right now. <laughs> um, but before we—that's get... good.
0: We're professionals; so we can handle it. Oh yeah, we, <laughs> you can totally
2: tell, can't you? <laughs> oh, before we get on to uh, our, our main show, I just wanted to have a quick, um, uh, quick uh, tangent onto uh, what's going on in the states with the presidential election. I don't know about you guys, but uh, everybody who knows me knows that I do follow politics a bit here and there, I know a bit more than the average bear, but I have never been so excited about a political race, whether in Canada or in the States, I have been down there with Bernie Sanders.
0: He's quite the candidate.
2: He absolutely is, Uh, you know, um, he describes himself as a democratic socialist, which is like a poisonous word down there in the States, which as a Canadian I can't figure out why. But uh, he's—I uh, think he's almost our F- next FDR, and I personally think he will be the president.
0: It would be—I think it would be—I don't—I hate to call it a revolution because these days that's too—that's too harsh, harsh a word. But I think he—he's really touching a nerve in in people who. Uh, Maybe for a long time didn't understand the economic system, but felt they were not getting the benefit of uh, their their work and their raises and and things that the upper one percent. And I I I think he's really starting to uh, teach people, you know, what America really should be should be like. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's gaining an, an awful. Uh, no, I was going to say he's gaining an awful lot of people, but he's he's gaining the respect. <laughs> My tongue is tangling again. He's gaining the respect of people who I think will actually get out and vote.
2: Yeah, well, you as a, as a former American, Nancy, I guess uh, I'm sure you follow that uh, as well. Um, I've I've just never seen a politician where people are going down in the street and they're marching for a politician.
0: Isn't it great to see them vote I, for integrity? I know. <laughs> I've have, I have
2: never seen that. I've never seen that in Canada. I've never seen that in the States. Usually when you march in the street for a politician is to get him out. But they're marching in the street to get this guy in. And uh, it's just amazing. What's even more amazing than that is to see the, um, to, for lack of a better word, the uh, establishment, especially the media, doing their darndest best to ignore this guy.
0: They sure did until he, um, until Iowa, yes, when until he was in Iowa. the dead heat. They, they really went out of their way to avoid... Uh, in any of the events where he was speaking, yeah, I, I couldn't figure out why, but they sure have.
2: So it's my personal prediction. I think that uh, January, I believe it's next year, uh, or is it November? November, November. November. Okay, November. sorry, November. Yeah. The, the, yeah. My my prediction: Bernie Sanders is their next president.
0: Well, if he if he isn't, he will be a driving force in the administration. Yes, so either way, yes. I don't think he's going to uh, retire very quietly into a back room someplace and never be heard of again.
2: In, in that sense, you're absolutely right. I think he's already won because he's pushing all the uh, policies and the decision making everything to the left. Uh, his main candidate, Hillary Clinton, has to soften her stances on many things and actually has to start standing up for the people. So in that sense, he's already won. But anyway, we'll we'll keep an eye on what our Americans' friends are doing. Nancy, you ready to go?
0: I'm ready to go. Okay. Here we go. This day I, in history. As soon
2: as I can get it going. Oh. <laughs>
0: there we go. Here we go. This day in history. A roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the days between January 25th to February the 7th. Starting back at January the 25th, it was National Voters Day in India. So we're kind of continuing the voter theme here for uh, at least a minute or so. Uh, On January 25th in 1970 madeline murray o'hare who was america's best known atheist and i am absolutely convinced who woke up with a smile every morning thinking (laughs) of all the people she could irritate i think that i think that really kept her (laughs) kept her going i think that's well said yeah absolutely anyway she announced that she would start a new church and she'd call it poor richard's universal life church after her husband richard and she complained. She uh, proclaimed. I say she complained. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that wasn't but, style at all. Yeah,
0: she proclaimed herself as the church bishop, and her husband Richard O'Hare as the official prophet. And she actually got a char- I know it's so funny. She actually got a charter from the Universal Life Church of California she and her husband have honorary doctor of divinity degrees and I don't remember she ever got them unless that universal life church is the same church where you can uh, send ten dollars and they send you a, a graduate degree and well
2: <laughs> oh, it's an easy thing video. to get <laughs> I,
0: so. I believe
2: there's one free in every crackerjack box
0: I think so that and the stamp and you got your degree I, I, why didn't I ever think of that I, I couldn't church all this time. You can still do it. I could still do it. Anyway, Mad- maybe I will. Anyway, Madeline Amurio-Hare said she intended to take full advantage of every tax exemption normally given without a second thought to churches and other religious groups. So she took a vow of poverty, gave everything to the church, and they had a really good run till 1978 when her husband died. But she um, uh, issued um, what is the Catholic Church? They, they give out uh, decree? dec- decrees and um, I, I think people bull. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly she, every time the Catholic Church issued one, she, she'd issue one right <laughs> after. She had a great time, lots it. of bull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least she admitted him. Um in January, January 27th was International Holocaust Remembrance Day. And on that day, Steve Jobs, who's CEO of Apple, unveiled a new invention, a tablet called, it's so obscure, I, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it, called the iPad. Mm, I don't at, know. No, at a press conference in 2010, so... It, and that was in San Francisco. Maybe it'll make a resurgence. Maybe, maybe. Well, Never chose
2: a company named it for a fruit. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for sure. We'll keep an eye out. I'll, <laughs> I'll see what happens. Anyway, January 28th is Data Privacy Day. And it's an international holiday, if you can call it that, because very few people, I think, are aware of it. Anyway, every January 28th, the purpose of the day is to raise awareness and promote privacy and data protection best uh, best practices. Currently celebrated, if you can call it that, in the United States, Canada, and 27 other European countries. Mm -hmm. January 28th marked the 100th anniversary of the women's right to vote in Canada, and guess what province uh, gave women the first right to vote?
2: I don't know. B.C.?
0: Uh, No, it's uh, actually Manitoba. Manitoba? Manitoba. And then all the eastern provinces followed. But Aboriginal women had to wait to the sixties, which is uh, no no big surprise, right? Unfortunately, I
2: got a bit of a sense of a déjà vu here, but we should really do a show about Aboriginal <laughs>
0: things in <laughs> <as we> Canada. <laughs> little déjà vu. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that got me wondering about the timeline of women's right to vote. Uh, Let's go back. The first country to grant women to vote was a surprising country to me, New Zealand in 1893.
2: Oh, kind of love the New Zealanders.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then uh, another surprise was that in 1971, Switzerland gave women the right to vote. And I always thought Switzerland was so progressive. Yeah.
2: That's a shock. Switzerland, 1971, welcome to the party. Yeah,
0: (laughs) absolutely. I thought Switzerland was more progressive than that. Anyway, the last country, uh, two thousand and eleven, got a lot of press, and that's Saudi Arabia. Yeah, of course. And uh, they did; they they granted it in two thousand and eleven, but they only started to vote last year, so it took them a while to get to get used to the idea. So the country's still holding out: of uh, Brunei, Lebanon, United Arab Emirates, and unless uh, something happened at lunch that we don't know about. Uh, the Vatican. Oh, of course. Yeah, Pope Francis has made some strides, but still uh, not giving women the, the right to vote. Isn't
2: it a strange coincidence that all these countries that don't allow women to vote are <gasps> religious countries, you know, like theocracies of some kind? is that is that an interesting, you know, correlation of some kind? Or it, am I just shooting out here?
0: No, it does make you I go mm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, February 2nd, was Groundhog Day in the US and Canada. And you know, there's a wonderful book called An Exaltation of Larks where it gives names of different groups of animals. And it's like the pride of lions, the gaggle of geese, celebration of larks. Mm-hmm. And so the I'm. Congress I'm, of baboons. Go ahead. I, I didn't hear you. No,
2: I the Congress of baboons. Congress of baboons. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually quite true.
0: I know, and, and very apt as well. <laughs> so I began to wonder what do they call. Groundhogs, and they actually call groundhogs a phil, P-H-I-L, which is very strange. I don't know where, I tried to find where it came from, but I I couldn't find any information. But that's how Puxatawney Phil got his name. That's interesting. It is interesting, but I thought to update it, you know what they really should call the groundhogs? No. A prediction of groundhogs. Good one. Isn't that a good one? I I,
2: I don't have a little bell. ding yeah. That's, that's I know. a point for you, there, Nancy. But
0: well, who do, who do I contact to make it official? Probably Phil. I he agree. <laughs> he's got he's got power. He's,
2: he's got pull.
0: He's got yeah he's got it. I think I will. Anyway, Puxatani Phil and Chibernicati Sam both agreed that there was no shadow. But or Ontario's Wyerton Willie saw his. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy on the... Uh, he would to Ontario
2: to leave it to go opposite uh, of everybody
0: else. Eh? Yeah, you can't depend on prognosticators, that's <laughs> for sure. Anyway, tragedy marred the day with the death of Winnipeg Willow. And um, it was a very sad day. She died the Friday before... Um, Groundhog Day and so in respect of um, uh, Willow, they cancelled Groundhog Day and she was she's quite the character. She actually had a lot to do with educating children and she went all over uh, visiting different schools and participating in events so she was quite well loved and she was five. They usually uh, live until age six, so she lived a, quite a, a, a nice and, and celebrated life. So they didn't cancel spring, did they? No, they didn't. Ca- <laughs> they could. <laughs> it's hard to know when, when Winnipeg. Spring comes so late, I must feel like it's canceled. Well, they might days. be
2: tempted to do so. You know, the mosquitoes would start coming out, and you don't, <laughs> You want to avoid the mosquitoes or the skiers. Yeah, <laughs> <of Winnipeg.
0: laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> anyway, we will miss Willow and think of her for sure next year. Uh, February the third was Heroes Day in Mozambique and uh, that day marked the day that the music died because we lost the Big Bopper, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens and uh, the pilot Roger Peterson when the fatal plane crash occurred in Clear Lake, Iowa in 1959, and uh, that inspired Don McLean to compose the epic song, American Pie, that has what, 7,300 verses? <laughs> yes. Do <laughs> it at least. Yeah, yeah, But it's it's a great song. It just goes on and, and on and on. It's a good pie song. Yeah, and I think, wasn't it, was it last year he finally explained... Some of the really esoteric. Uh, I don't merits. know. I, I think you did. I think if he, he did. I missed it. No, I think it, it must be recorded somewhere. If you're, if you're interested. You're the history
2: buff. I'll take your word for it.
0: Yeah. Anyways, February the sixth. This is a long one. I got to take a breath. The International Day of Zero Tolerance to Female Genital Mutilation Day. Uh, it's outrageous we
2: need a day for that. <laughs>
0: there is There's a day for almost anything. We could have a day for Left of the Valley. We totally should. I know. We should pick one. Let's, t- we'll let's all put our heads together and find it. We will <laughs> <laughs> let's let, and name it in the memory of Willow. We, oh, I don't, I mean, let's not be sexist with our prognosticators, please. <laughs> okay, on this day. In Dallas in 2012 the African Americans for Humanism was formed and it was a very brave thing for them to do because the black church is the center of life and neighborhood in uh, in any major city so for uh, people to break away and to not be part of the church takes a, a, a lot of fortitude a lot of courage and there are actually now 16 local chapters, so it's a growing segment in the humanist community, and we welcome them. They have a, uh, a uh, page on Facebook, and we wish them well. Excellent. As, absolutely. February 7th was Independence Day, or is Independence Day in Granada, because today's the 7th. So, on February the 7th, in 1935, Parker Brothers sold a small little game called Monopoly. Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of that. Went went down with uh, I, the iPad someplace for sure. <laughs> but actually, this is really interesting in that we think of Monopoly as being a game of the 30s, but it was actually in existence and patented as the Landlord's Game in 1904 by a woman whose name was Elizabeth. It's either Maggie or Maggie. I, it's hard hard to know. So I I hope I'm doing her justice either way. But Elizabeth was really a strong woman. She was a short story writer, poet, a poet, a comedian, stage actress, feminist, stenographer, and an engineer. And in 1906, she worked as a newspaper reporter. So she knew a lot. She covered a lot. She was a pretty savvy girl. In 1910, at age 44, she married Albert Phillips. And then her board game, um, she said at that time, was designed to demonstrate the economic ill effects of land monopolism and the use of land value tax as a remedy for them. And she was granted patent number US seven. Wow! Yeah, you ever play? You ever play the game? Anybody ever? Only play McDonald's. That? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I used to play as a kid and I was fine until somebody won all the money and then you hated them and wanted to uh, wanted, wanted the game to end as quick as possible. That's capitalism. Everybody got suddenly hungry and thirsty and left the, <laughs> left the board. And that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusually and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history.
2: Thank you so much, Nancy, as usual, and we'll be right back right after this.
0: Tired of being misunderstood or misrepresented? As a public service, the crew from Left at the Valley proudly presents Know Your Fallacies with Mark Cunningham.
3: Good evening. I've taken time out of my busy schedule to briefly explain to you the free thinker, the finer points of logical fallacies, with some practice, attention to detail, and of course my guidance, you will too easily disarm any artless, full-born rat'spain who dares cross linguistic blades with you. Today, let's look at another attack a vain lewdster would use: the anecdotal evidence, widely used by those seeking validity the anecdote is amongst the most common fallacy used to try to convince you of a claim and unfortunately also a difficult one to dismiss for believers because of the sincerity of the claimant
0: my grandfather smoked two packs a day and lived to be 97 years old therefore you shouldn't believe all those studies that smoking is harmful
3: in this situation the claimant is sincere in her beliefs however Scientific measures are almost always more accurate than personal perceptions and experiences. Her grandfather was statistically lucky to evade cancer, or maybe had a generic predisposition that helped him, but this lucky draw doesn't erase the correlation between smoking and cancer. Remind your opponent that our senses are all too easily fooled. Otherwise, magicians would be out of work. Stick to the cold hard facts because you cannot account for the numerous variables affecting your judgment every day. Now, go forth my friend and remember, knowledge is power and the one who knows wins. Until next time.
0: You are listening to Left at the Valley on CIBL 101. Point seven FM
3: The main source of hatred in the world is religion and organized
2: religion Alright, we're back uh, I love using those logical fallacies That was a really good lesson there instead of using a PSA Alright, that's great radio Thank you guys <laughs> You <laughs> just stare at me. <laughs> uh, well, in case you uh, you missed the show last, uh, last uh, or last show, uh, we received a letter from a guy named Mike, and. Um Mike was asking if we were doing anything for Valentine's Day Since this being the show before Valentine's Day We won't have a show on the 14th We thought we'd do something about romance scams And we'll get into that But before we do all that we'll We'll do our usual Another brilliant moment Brought to you By religion Ah Another brilliant moment now, since I have three ladies here with me, I thought I'd ask something about feminism. There, there's something, uh, apparently, sending women to university could be a sin, according to a Catholic writer. On his conservative website called Fix the Family, I just love how they have those weird, those weird names, right? Writer Raylan Allman lists eight reasons for keeping women out of university, even Catholic ones. According to Allman, the first reason is that while in college, girls will, he writes, attract the wrong type of men. Who exactly are the wrong type? I don't ones who don't understand it's their duty as ordained by God and nature to be the family breadwinner. There are so many lazy men in our society, Allman writes, but what mystifies me is why girls continue to marry them. And then live to complain about them, along with their parents. The bottom line, he is the he is only supplementing her income, but he's sup- he's supposed to be the provider. So there we are, girls. Feminism was a complete non-starter. Equality was for the birds. Just join uh, Raymond Allerman and his shiny silver DeLorean. He'll take you back to 1955. <laughs> the second reason it's a huge waste of time and money, according to him, is... Uh, While in college, a young woman will be near occasions of sin, pretty much non-stop. I'm looking at you, (laughs) Granny. I
4: am curious as to what that could be.
2: Do we really need to explain occasions of sin to you?
4: No, at the university, I mean, (laughs) seriously. Are they going to teach us stuff?
2: (laughs) In such a setting, young women are bound to meet exploitative cads, and you can be sure Hanky
5: Panky will follow. Heaven forbid.
2: The third reason not to send your girls to college is that young women, when given access to college, will not learn to be a wife and mother. Nothing that is taught in college curriculum is geared towards domestic homemaking. No way. Hold on. Breathe, breathe. Remember your Lamar's training or anything (laughs) like that? Just just breathe there. Only the number three here. Um, you can get an easy a in e- <laughs> you can't get an easy A in scrubbing the kitchen floor or polishing the silverware. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> this is actually from this guy, right? <laughs> often, when a career woman discerns the possibility of giving up a career, um, she faces the reality that she had no training in homemaking, oh my and my often God. has the to- thought, "What would I do at home all day?"
4: It's like <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay.
4: That's
2: what Netflix is for. <laughs> <laughs> well, because obviously men have that training, right? We, we really know what to do all day at <laughs> home. So, having no real experience in daily uh, domestic drudgery, you girls will be likely be useless when the time comes to give up all your career goals to help men. Don't you understand that? It's for your own good. Fourth, he writes the cost of a degree is becoming more difficult to recoup. Well, that's certainly not a lie, but he clarifies that it makes more, more sense for a young wife to stay at home, and then there's more money for the husband to pursue his career goals. Uh, that doesn't even make sense to me, but whatever. Fifth, he says, you don't have to prove anything to the world. Okay, nobody's going to argue with that, of course. Uh, but society is so fixated with the feminism ideal of women having a job and providing an income and have worth, those ghastly career women with a destructive insistence on equality, who can bear listening to them? Six parents may use contraception after they see how much it costs to send their daughters to school. <laughs> oh, you better wear a rubber tonight, honey, because I don't want to have having to send another daughter to school. Daughter to school. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Uh, those selfish females have no consideration for their elders. Seventh... <laughs> you're going to regret hitting all the books girl uh, all while you've been improving your mind didn't you ever stop to think that you would be you would regret neglecting children and restricting childbearing to such an extent that you don't even want to think about it? you know why would you want to do that well now the jokes on you for believing those misguided feminist ladies who convince you that you could have a career and family at the same time and lastly did you know that if you get into serious debt Over something like an outstanding student loan, the church won't take you as a candidate for religious orders. I know, I
0: know. That's right. The worst thing about going to school was that I learned to spell and pronounce the word misogynist. (laughs) 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 And I actually have a chance to use it in all of its glory after your rant. No, it's a hmm. It's, it's a combination of rant and hmm. hmm. I, I, I can't believe
2: this guy even wrote this. Um,
0: Unbelievable! Um, now that wasn't taken. That wasn't taken from a speech in 1732, was no, it?
2: No, oh. no, no, no. This is this is Because then that
0: would be different.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it still would not make it any more excusable. But you know, you can you can play with the context of the time. So I'm I'm here with three ladies. Any thoughts?
5: Well, I have two daughters. Oh, okay. Who are going towards university. And the eldest one just informed me she wants to become a lawyer. Oh, good. So do I tell her no? (laughs) Learn how to wash dishes and wash your husband's underwear?
0: (laughs) You mean you haven't already?
5: (laughs) I'm doing the best I can. (laughs) I guess I'm doing it wrong.
4: What about you, dear? Oh, Lord. It's unbelievable. So when exactly did that dude write that?
2: Oh, geez, I don't have the day with me, but it's no. very recent. Very recent? Oh, it's very recent,
4: yes. I wonder under which rock he has lived. So.
2: <laughs> oh, he's been living under the the church rock for sure, the rock he's of the dome or whatever. He's probably been living
0: under a rock some woman oh, has been sitting on. he can't been probably even spell on. the word rock. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, but think about it. Why would you pursue a university and, like, why why would she go to university and become a lawyer? But, you know, the church might come in and say, you know what, we won't accept you as a nun now. <laughs> that's, that's awful. Why would you take that away from a kid? <laughs> he's sarcastic of course (laughs) yes that's a wacky world of religion and that's (sighs) the world that women are facing these days and then they wonder why religion is dying Uh, alright let's move on to something else yeah like I said early on we were doing something about romance scams and I even have a little treat for you guys I actually have a personal story to tell about that So that's going to be pretty cool, but before we get into all that, I think we're going to get into some facts and statistics and all that. So I kind of gave you guys a lady, you ladies, uh, a bit of an assignment. Who wants to go first? Oh,
5: I'm first. Okay, I guess I'm first. Okay, so this is what I found kind of snooping online the other day Um, one of the most lucrative and vicious scams is the romance extortion scheme after seducing the victim online a scammer will solicit compromising photos or videos then demand payment to keep the pictures private so that was just kind of found that that I would throw that out there now, some statistics. Um, in Canada, in 2014, $14 million were lost through online romance scams, according to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre.
2: $14 million? $14
5: million. That's just in
2: 2014.
5: Holy moly. Yeah. It's pretty... It's a, That's a high number.
2: But does that include maybe the fact that, you know, um, there's a lot of scammers that... Or people that kind of get away with it, right? They can't be uh, actually kind of reported, right? I mean, there, there's oh, there's things
5: be- people who have not even come forward. Yeah, exactly. So this exactly. is just bare minimum. Wow. Um, they also say that romance scams are now in Canada the most common crime and can leave financial, emotional, and physical devastation in their wake. Uh, so they do say whether you meet someone via online dating or in person, there are steps you can take to help protect yourself, your loved ones, and your finances and assets. In the States, in the last six months of 2014, Americans lost over $82 million to online dating fraud. According to the Wall Street Journal, in 2013, $105 million in losses reported due to these online scams.
2: Well, that that explains to me why there's so many of it trying to uh, come our way. There's obviously, uh, for lack of a better term here, there's a market for this, obviously. You know, the people are falling for this.
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, where was I? Um, and out of the 500, no, okay, on Valentine's Day in 2014, and I thought this was kind of appropriate, 2% of all online dating transactions were fraudulent. Out of 500 million transactions, 7 million were from scan artists. Wow.
4: It's
5: a pretty high number. Uh, in the UK, online dating fraud rose by 33% from 2013 to 2014, costing the UK public £34 million. So that's about, what, $68 million? Uh, and and in Australia, as of December 2015, so this is very recent, a financial uh, losses reported at over $2 million. However, only 292 cases were reported. So again, there are many, many people who have not come forward. They're too embarrassed. They just don't share that information. So statistically wise, oh, one more piece of note. Uh, note: um, majority of the scans come from Nigeria at twenty nine percent. Ghana is it Ghana? Yeah. Ghana twenty six percent. The Ivory Coast at fifteen percent. Vietnam at ten percent, and Argentina at eight percent.
2: Well, I've been contacted many times from Ghana.
5: Oh, N- Nigeria has come after me a couple of times. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, what I have in the form of numbers. So you can take it away. My I'm friend.
4: wondering if Kevin wants to share a story first. No, no, I'll, no. We'll, we'll
2: keep that for after because, you know... it's Oh, it's the good we'll one! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I thought we could actually go through how my, my train of thought happened and, you know, the analyze the red flags and all that, what okay. you guys would have picked up.
4: yeah. Well, oh, maybe not, you never know. Okay, so since we have had the numbers, um, so I did pretty much the same thing. I used my good friend Google and just put in how to avoid a Roman scam and pretty much used the first page, whatever came up. And there's actually a really, really nice breakdown on www.wikihow.com. And they break it down in five neat points. What to do, what to look out for, and how to figure out what's really going on with that person you're trying to connect to. So part one, checking out the profile. If that picture looks too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. <laughs> a lonely supermodel that is possible but not very likely, so let's stay realis- realistic here. Um, and in a desperate uh, attempt to you know, look really attractive, um, sometimes the scammers go a little bit overboard with uh, height and weight proportionality, so um, you have to wonder, is that person on a messed up diet to think that... Uh, Six foot and 95 pound is actually doable <laughs> or healthy, so... Oh,
2: overboard in that sense. I thought you were going to say it the other way. You don't just... <laughs> eight foot four and 300 pounds and...
4: Like, holy crap. Oh, that's doable, though. Um, so, yeah, so that is something to look out for when the numbers are somewhat off. And uh, if you happen to have a photo there, spot the details. Is he or she claiming to be single but sports a wedding band on the profile picture? If that picture is genuine, do you really want to be part of an extramarital affair? And if the marital status is questionable, what else is? Exactly, exactly. And then we we move on to the occupation that they state. So he is usually an engineer, a self-made man. He's self-employed, owner of a store. In short, a really good catch. She's and a, travels a lot. And oh yeah, and travels a lot. And uh, she's a model, usually. Oh, yeah, or, of course. Or. Busy businesswoman who chose this particular dating site to look for companionship because, well, she's too busy being beautiful to be able to find (laughs) someone in the real world. What do I know?
2: Too busy being beautiful. I love that. We should isolate that. (laughs) Make it as a drop.
4: So after taking a closer look at these parts of the profile and something does feel fishy about it, what can you do to protect yourself? So what you can actually do, since Google is still your friend, uh, you copy parts of the profile and you use lines of text and let Google search for them. If they pop up on another website, you're either dealing with the most unimaginative, boring person on the planet or a fraudster who is pulling this stint simultaneously on various websites. Uh, the same is actually true for the picture. You can do a uh, picture sh- search with Google. You just upload the profile picture and check if it appears anywhere else with a different profile.
2: Yes, and uh, that's important. Too. Uh, you can't do it on your phone. You cannot do it on your your tablet, but if you go on your your laptop or Mm. your desktop, you can upload to Google. There's actually a little camera icon there, Mm -hmm. and you can upload the picture, and Google will search the web Mm. for you.
4: Yep, it's very, very useful. It
2: absolutely is.
4: So... And another thing, you might want to dig into the details. So you look at the profile and they say, wow, they have this really fancy car. And you think, well, if they have this fancy car, they should know a little bit about that thing as in, well, what mileage do you get out out of it? So scammers are actually a little bit reluctant to answer very detailed questions, personal questions. So that's what you're going to do. You're going to ask those questions. So harmless questions like this might tell you how elaborate this scam actually is and if they put some thought into this. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you can also look at their claimed location. There happens to be a really good restaurant in their part of town, so you have already googled the address and the location, and now you asked how to get there from a particular landmark. You have been prepared. Your counterpart either knows right away that you're ta- what you're talking about or takes up their sweet time to Google it themselves. Uh, So you watch the time elapse and you draw your own conclusions. Part two, the introductory letter. Here you might want to look for deep sounding and thoughtful phrases like, remember the distance or color does not matter, but love matters a lot in life. (laughs) Yeah, what a piece of cheese. Uh, You Google that as well. And it might show up somewhere else as well. Or you can just be a pain in the rear and ask what they mean by that and what for the reaction. I mean, maybe they're really creative or they actually come up with a really good explanation for that piece. I don't know. Um, yeah. And uh, whoever I'm looking at you, have have their own experience, (laughs) you can probably check for spelling and grammar when you are on a a somewhat longer exchange. And not only is, uh, well, for me personally, poor grammar and spelling skills are turn off. So do they actually make typical mistakes that you can expect from someone coming from that area, or does it sound a little bit too outlandish? Um, So part three, now you're getting personal. (laughs) So uh, creating an elaborate false profile takes time, and scammers don't want to invest in credibility. So if you're poking around in their personal lives, they might take evasive action, figuring you're not worth the trouble or take unusually long to provide answers. They might misspell the names of cities, are unfamiliar with landmarks, all these little things that you should know when you claim to be from that spot. So WikiHow is pretty straightforward on how to proceed when they claim to be from another country. They just say, I quote, Steer clear immediately, no matter how charming they are. (laughs) So maybe they just don't like chatting with you on the website anymore and would prefer to use another chat application for these personal stuff. So this serves actually two purposes, and it has been mentioned before. So they can keep their profile online and continue their shtick with other victims. And they also steer you away from being able to report the scam through the website. Um, you could ask so for for proof of identity. You would like a picture of them holding up a piece of paper with their username. Or you could try to persuade them to join a chat using a webcam. If they claim to be in your vicinity, just ask for a phone number or address so that you could spontaneously call if you happen to be close by. Then look up that phone number with a reverse search to see if it checks out or if you're actually calling somebody in Nigeria. <laughs> Part four, almost there. So watching out for eager romance, you're just a few exchanges in and you're already graced with a pet name, honey. They knew right (laughs) away that you were the one, this was meant to happen, it's fate, and God smiled upon the two of you. So how do you feel about getting married, no? So how about some sweet, raunchy pictures? Not only do they miss you so much, but they just pride their way into another income opportunity, blackmail, has been mentioned before. A nice one. So, part five, and this is really where uh, the warning bells should go off. Money. They want to meet you, but they have no money to travel. They are in trouble. Some loved one is sick or hurt and needs costly medical attention that they cannot afford right now. A sob story. Oh, dear. They are stuck in a country that makes it difficult to obtain a visa for traveling unless they bribe their way out. So no sob story is actually too lame and too far-fetched to make you, make you draw your wallet. So suddenly there's a lot of talk about Western Union or MoneyGram and how easy it is to wire some cash. So it's time to run in the other direction. So just to round this up, um, most of it, as I said, came from wikihow.com, but other helpful source is also www.romancescams.org. Uh, This website actually includes really detailed instructions on how to read the header of an email, to track down the IP number, and how to look up that location. The website also informs about variations of online scams and how to recognize them. So um, just to follow up with my uh, speaker here, if you fell for it, don't be ashamed and keep quiet. It happens more often than you think. And the only way to stop it really is to report the scam. There's a plethora of good reasons to look for companionship online, lack of time, no interest in becoming a barfly, having been out of the dating pool for a long time or just simply feeling a bit safer and less vulnerable behind the computer screen. So your reasons are surely way, way better than that of a scammer. Perfect. That is my piece. Thank you so
0: much. That's a lot of information there. Yeah, it's it's great information
2: too. So I thought I'd give you guys a a, a little little experience. Yeah, something that happened to me. I'll give you guys a a little story here. I I was actually targeted for a, one of those romance scams, and it was actually quite sophisticated. Uh, and I thank the good God I don't believe in <laughs> for being a skeptic, uh, because it it really what kind of saves you bacon. Uh, I mean, I've I've received several uh, scams uh, from Ghana, especially. And there's always a sob story, right? You know how they're, uh, they're actually from Utah, but their mother's sick, and they had to move to Ghana. I was like, really? I mean, <laughs> what the odds that would happen? I almost feel like sometimes it's one of their ne- their, their, their their industry in Ghana. It's what they do, is scamming. Uh, but anyway, uh, on to my little story here. Because you guys are going to like my group therapy anyway, so. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, like I said, I'm a single guy. I was on those dating websites, and uh, it was actually one of the paid ones. It's not one of those oh. uh, cheap, free ones. It's actually a, a better one. And, you know, I personally am an old-school kind of guy. I don't like these dating websites, but I know that's where the world is kind of going, so I guess I'll, I'll take a look. So I received a message from this woman called Elena. And like I said, being skeptical is what really saved me uh and when like uh like you said, uh, my dear uh when it sounds too good to be true, it is yes. that's your first flag right there um she a- she answered quickly to me and asked if it was easier for us to chat via email. that's another little red flag, and okay, I just went for it, send her an email, but I was smart because what i I didn't give her my actual email, I just created one, I actually called myself max Power and <laughs> It's actually from The Simpsons. <laughs> Homer <laughs> changes his name to Max Power. And somebody says, well, that's a great name. says, oh, thank you. I took it off a hairdryer. <laughs> so I thought it was a little level of protection because if there's something, you know, uh, if I get harassed on the email, I can just shut it down, right? I don't have to actually use my email. And that's, uh, that's a little tip. When I received the picture of the, this woman, and she sent several pictures. First of all, drop dead gorgeous. You know, she, she says she's Russian. She's drop dead gorgeous. So there's your little red flag. First red flag. So lucky, man. Oh, yeah. It's just like, wow. She's, you know, she is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Then I started playing along and I started noticing more little red flags. For example, her age. Okay, guys, I'll speak for the men out there because I can't speak for the women. And I'm sure there's something very similar for women here. If you're 35 and a 19 year old starts emailing you, that's a red flag. Okay? It's not because you're a super stud, it's because it's a red flag. It's too good to be true. Her, Eng- her her spelling had some mistakes, you know, some, um, I mean, my spelling is not perfect. Nobody's spelling is perfect, but hers were, were, like, flagrant. And I thought, okay, you're Russian, English is not your first language, okay, that that, that could kind of work. But even when you do you do an email, there's all usually an autocorrect there, and they'll, they'll actually correct it for you. She started using stereotypes. That's another red flag. She was saying that, you know, she can't find a Russian man because they're all drinkers, you know. That's a huge stereotype of all all Russian man drinkers, and that's a red flag. So we emailed back and forth, and I'm just playing along with this, and I've got a couple of red flags in my mind already here, so, but I said, hey, it's possible. Then suddenly I started noticing she started using endearing terms. After a while she started signing off as your Russian girlfriend, Elena. That's a bit of a red flag too, right? So I didn't ask her to be my girlfriend or anything like that. She just went away, but uh, she, she would do it in, in a subtle way. So it it was a sign that this this scam was a bit more sophisticated than the, than the typical one. Uh, she kept sending pics of herself in various believable situations. Uh, pic with what she said was her mom, although there was no family resemblance. little red flag there. Picture with her and a big dog, and a picture of her beside a statue. You know, it was always the same person, and you know, it, it, it was it, it was believable, and she had an elaborate background story. She claimed to be a manager in marketing firm, yet she claimed she couldn't access the Internet except at work. That's a bit of a red flag, too. Now, of course, in Russia, maybe it's possible. Maybe it's possible that the Internet is not as prevalent as it is here in North America. I get that. But it's interesting that, you know, even at work, where would you find the time to start emailing some potential mate at work? I'm sure your boss would be behind you saying, hey, what are you doing, right? So then she sends me a picture uh, of her holding a, a little sign and Scribbled on it was "Hello, my Kevin." So I thought, okay, that that was a red flag too because it looked real. It was the same person, and everything. But the the writing on the on the page that she was holding looked photoshopped. Ah. <laughs> and now it didn't look like it was actually done with a pen or even a big marker. It looked paste it on okay it, right so that was a big red flag for me so i thinking, okay yeah I, th- I think i think we get something going on here
0: you got enough red flags to start a parade there Oh, right? for sure. <laughs> I,
2: it's not done it's not done uh-huh. this is how sophisticated it gets and then she she wants to phone me uh first of all i'm not sure i'd recommend giving out your phone number <laughs> but in this one i actually did and so i actually get a phone call from her on my on my cell phone it's a female with a russian accent so it's not some creepy weirdo somewhere. I know it's actually a female, and she has a Russian accent.
5: So what was on her phone, on your phone, as the caller ID?
2: There was no caller ID, right? It was a blocked number. <laughs> okay.
5: Right? okay. So that's
2: another red flag. Okay. I had a very brief conversation, very brief conversation, and she kept on calling me, honey. That's another red flag right there. Um, it it was almost like with this phone conversation, she was trying to prove that. To convince me that she was real, that she was a real female, and at the same time she was confirming that I was real as well. Her emails got even more flowery in language, and that's another red flag, and almost gave me the impression that she was trying to find out if I'm real. Eventually she suggested come to Canada to visit after announcing a rather sudden vacation coming up, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, it's like you've been talking to this, per- this person for a couple of weeks, and also, oh, well, look at that, two weeks from now I've got two weeks off, it's like, well, isn't that weird? And it's not even, well, let's say right now in the middle of February. It's not weird to have a vacation in the middle of February. But, you know, it's possible. So that's a bit of a red flag, too. Then the email uh, where she suddenly realized a trip would cost, that's a little red flag, yeah, would cost know. a lot more than what she expected, essentially. Uh, and then she essentially suggested that we go Dutch. You know, how about, you know, I pay for half and you pay for half. After all, you know, I'm coming to visit you. You know, it sounds all... Sounds all uh, like a good thing. And then she said, you know, it cost her about $800 for, uh, for a one-way ticket, so 800 to go back. That's a bit of a red flag, too, because then I went online and realized that it was actually much more costly than that. So we went back and forth, and I was kind of offering alternatives that she couldn't really re- she didn't really reply to. And that's a big red flag, too. If, if you're asking questions, and always ask questions, and if they avoid the question and don't answer it, that's a big red flag. For example, I suggested, hey, how about I fly to Russia to meet her? No, that was a bad idea. What if we met in a neutral place? What if we met in Cuba, for example? You know, that was a bad idea, too. Um, I said I offered to pay for her return ticket once she was here because I kind of came up with this stupid lie that it was, oh, well, you know, I don't have any money right now, but I'm getting a bonus check soon. So once you fly here, and then I can buy your ticket when you head back. <laughs>
4: nice <laughs> so, one. Nice yeah. one. I like it.
2: Asking questions and, you know, play along. See if it actually makes sense. And then she started to lose patience, and she started throwing ultimatums. So in the meantime, I was doing a bit of research because I was having a bit of uh, fun time with that. So I did go on Google, like you suggested there, and uh, upload her picture. And I found out the picture was of Miss World 2008. <laughs> <laughs> See how lucky you are? I, I know. and that's, Isn't that amazing? And, you know, I, that's, why she, that's why she was so gorgeous, right? Miss World 2008, uh, and who happens to be a Russian
0: woman, too. So it was a, a very sophisticated for a con. Right? It's amazing that she was an identical twin. I, I mean, know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just speechless. How that I, worked out.
2: I also went on uh, scam, uh, scam sites. Uh, they, they warn you about scams and put in her name. Now her name did not come up, nor did the email actually match emails that were already known. But her name was similar to some of others. You know, like uh, there was uh, some Elena's with a different name, and the last name was also prevalent here. So that's another red flag. Um, because I wanted to check if the email was was legit and it was legit but how hard is it to create an email it's not because I had done the same thing myself so I finally replied to her (laughs) I finally replied to her I said guess what and I sent her pictures from Google Image of Miss World 2008 with, the, with and I replied to her said, I you never you're never going to find out. I just found out that I'm possibly going to be dating Miss World 2008, and I'm so excited. And here I send you more pictures of you and your dog. And here's a picture of you with this guy. <laughs> and here's a picture of you with the Prime Minister of whatever. Said I had no idea you were so busy out there <laughs> in marketing because you're a manager of marketing. You wow, I mean that's amazing. And and of course, I never heard back. <laughs> I never heard back after that. But it just goes to show you how being skeptic about something like that, mm-hmm. and 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 I guess for the audience, we need to tell them that. Don't forget that these people are pushing emotional buttons, right? We are we're all trying to find uh, our better half, I guess, for lack of a better term. But these people are trying to press emotional buttons, and it's a bit like religion. You kind of lose track of the facts and, and because you're, you're emotionally involved. And you, this is how you fall for a scam. Uh, you have to remain a bit disciplined and intellectual and uh, skeptical and verify the facts before you actually go into something like that. I mean, if this woman would have been legitimate, I mean, it's quite possible. She could have been like a drop-dead gorgeous woman from Russia and I can't find somebody that she likes over there. It's possible. It's unlikely.
0: When the bad place freezes over, it's likely. Yeah,
2: it's, it's unlikely. So it's, there's nothing wrong with you being skeptical and safe, especially when we know, like the the numbers you guys pulled out, $14 million right here in Canada. That's a lot of yeah. money. And, and they
5: prey on the vulnerable.
2: They do, they do. Because they, they all know that we have an emotional need to find somebody to share our yeah. life with. Well, the vast majority of us anyway. Uh, and... Uh, they, they they try to push these buttons to try to get you to uh, we have a we have a good nature as as a species right we try to help other people it's in our nature and they know this.
0: That's well, the, a lot of the scams from both Nigeria and um, Russia, when you when they write to you, you can almost you know. Um, Without, without a doubt, know that whoever is writing you is an older guy, and he's belo- he belongs to a gang, and this has been refined so they absolutely know the buttons that they're going to push, and that they are writing primarily uh, people in Canada and the U.S. Yeah. And the woman that you talk to is either his wife or daughter or someone who's been recruited to do exactly that and is working from a script, to assume anything else, you're right, you, you just are, um, you're, you, you're, you're being a target. And you, you really need to realize and be to be skeptical enough and research enough to, to realize that this is not true love, but it's true crime in action.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't want to play or sound like Chicken Little here, but they're everywhere. I mean, yesterday, yesterday I was targeted on Facebook. Facebook, right? I had, all of a sudden, I get this message from Facebook. And this person, you know, uh, I mean, we're friends on Facebook. I don't know this person because I've got like thousands of friends on Facebook. So there's no way I know all of them. And all of a sudden, this person I'm supposedly friend on Facebook says, you know, she works in Silicon Valley. And she works at Facebook as, as an admin. I said, okay. Uh, so why are you... <laughs> calling me why are you messaging me first of all and that's that's the first thing i noticed um i don't know if you guys have the facebook app and all that but they've been pushing forever now that messenger app for your messages
5: mm-hmm. facebook
2: mm-hmm. has been pushing that forever they were like f- for for weeks i didn't didn't have that i couldn't use my uh, my messages because unless i installed that app but yet when i look at her name and i forget her name because i risked the conversation she didn't have that messenger app so I said to her, isn't that strange that a Facebook administrator wouldn't have the app that Facebook has been pushing forever? <laughs> so right there, you know, the, I, right there, a, the, you being skeptical actually helps. And of course, then she's starting to go into this, this spill of how I won this contest and I won $600,000. I oh. know. And I said, well, wow, Would just tell Mark Zuckerberg to send me a check. And she says, you don't believe me? No, no, I don't believe you. <laughs> Excuse me, I'll remain skeptical here. I mean, why would... First of all, Facebook is not known for doing these kind of contests. It hasn't been advertised all over Facebook. Why all of a sudden does it come into my life? Being skeptical. And there we go. All of a sudden, she disappeared. When I tried to look at her profile, because I could look at her profile five minutes before, when I tried to look at her profile again, the profile had disappeared. Ah. Hmm. So, no, a a word word to the wise out there, being skeptical is what is going to save you in the long run. And I'm not saying being a denier. I'm not saying be a hard ass. I say ask the questions, normal questions. You know, when 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 it blows you in the back of your mind, it's because, yeah, there's something wrong with this picture. And, you
5: know, if I could just say one thing that's really, really frightening is we have this new generation coming up who are so uh, in tune with their phones and their iPads that they don't have the smarts that we have now. We've been through it all, but they want to find their love or, or their their better half, and they will fall for the stuff on, the, on that they see.
2: Yeah, it, it does help when you have some life experience, right?
5: Exactly. It, so it that, really that's matter. a little bit scarier.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. And it, it's not a red flag for them to communicate with someone oh, in no. a different country because they're so used to the, having Facebook friends. And having, like Kevin said, it, a thousand exactly. friends. and Yeah, exactly. yeah yeah okay well perhaps perhaps the show is going to do some good if anyone out there has been a target of a scam or you've um, had to report somebody, or uh, you'd have something like that. Let us know. We would we would love to be able to know and um, broadcast I- any alerts that that uh, that yeah. we can and and be of any service to anybody that you know ha- has had any problems this way.
2: Yeah, you can always find us on Facebook or send us an email at left at the valley or is it no sorry left at valley at outlook dot com. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate that. All right. But eventually, originally the show was supposed to be about Jeff D. So I'm going to go ahead here in a few sec and uh, put that interview on. Are you guys familiar with Jeff D?
4: Nope. please educate me.
2: Uh, Jeff D is uh, one of the original hosts of the Atheist Experience. Uh, he's no longer a host of the Exper- Atheist Experience, but he's uh, also uh, a host of the nonprofit, which is actually one of the podcasts that influenced the creation of this one here. So they actually air their show there out of Austin, and they air their show kind of like us, every second week or so, out of Austin. And uh, there's like essentially three guys, and they discuss atheist issues. They're not as varied as we are, but he was kind enough to grant me an interview. So I'm going to go right ahead and play that. And after that, we'll be right back to close the show. All right, I have with me Jeff D., the host of the nonprofit podcast. He's also the former host of The Atheist Experience. He's a snazzy dancer, a snappy dresser. Jeff, welcome. <laughs> Hi, Kevin.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, Jeff, we just love you here in the Valley. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, Jeff, um, you know, I think a lot of our audience actually knows you, but there might be a couple out there that don't know who Jeff D. is. Would you be so kind to give us what I would say the Reader's Digest version of who Jeff D. is?
1: Oh, boy, this is for an atheist audience, right? Mostly. um, Well, um, uh, you've kind of covered it. uh, I'm a member of the atheist community of Austin, Texas, have been for decades. Um, I was not one of the very first people on their uh, public access television show, The Atheist Experience, but uh, became a co-host of that and later – uh, a host uh, after it had been going for a little while, um, and then I got tired of fighting the red tape at the Public Access Studio, and so I suggested we that the the Atheist Community of Austin start one of these newfangled podcast things because we could do that without having to deal with anybody else's restrictions and we mm. started that and then i left both shows for a while uh pursuing other other things i had moved a little bit um toward the outside of uh the austin area and it just became more more difficult but um then the the uh non-profits podcast went on hiatus and didn't come back for a while and i uh, that made me sad so i uh got back in touch with the group and i said you let me spearhead the return of that show, and I did that, and we've been back on the air now for uh, two, three years.
2: Yeah, well, I must admit, I'm a fan of the show, and uh, I'll actually even say uh, the uh, nonprofit is actually one of the influence that actually got us to start this podcast here. And actually, oh, yeah? Yeah, I sent you guys a letter a couple years ago, but I can't expect you guys to remember that, but uh, great work on the show. Thank you. Um, Jeff, you, you have a, a no-nonsense kind of approach. Um, in this age of fireman versus diplomat, you consider yourself successful.
1: It, but I don't know what's the standard of success. That's a good um, question indeed. I I I say what I think, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> I mean that's all anybody can do. And either people are gonna are going to agree or not, and that's fine. Um, I guess they 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 haven't kicked me off the shows, so mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a measure of success.
2: Yeah, you still calling um, you in, so I guess I mean, that's a good idea.
1: <laughs> The 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 are the you know, the shows are not about converting people to atheism either, so we don't really have that metric metric to go by. Um and it would be hard to tell how well we had done even if that was one of our goals. So uh so I don't know. Um I I just I just call it the way I see it.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. Some people out there are actually saying that you might have given Matt Dillahunty his style. You care to comment about that?
1: I have I have no comment on that. No Matt Matt is his own person, and he can do things his way, and that's fine.
2: Well, I must admit, I really love your like I said, your no nonsense approach to things. You know, I really love that. I admire that about you. Um you guys, <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you know, here in Canada, we're a bit more, way more PC, I guess, than maybe you guys are down there in Texas. <laughs> um, you guys in Texas, you're on the front line of atheism. So, what's the situation down there? I mean, uh, we we live in very different countries.
1: Oh boy. Well, you know, our government, uh, state government, is in the clutches of uh, right wing fundamentalists, or at least politicians who cater to right wing fundamentalists. It's always it difficult if not impossible to tell the difference between somebody who's merely saying what that group wants them to say and someone who's really in that group um i tend to to just take them by their word and um they they seem to be all for jesus so uh, uh <laughs> we're having a lot of problems down here with um, uh, Planned Parenthood being attacked, of course, that's going on all over the country. But you know, one of the real um, uh, war zones on that is uh, is the state of Texas, and um, you know, a bun- bunch of other things.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of ironic to to want to compare both countries. I mean, the United States has a constitution that is actually openly secular, yet there is a high rate of religiosity, I could say, in the United States as compared to Canada, which actually does have a preamble to addressing a god in the a Canadian Constitution, yet Canada is a much more secular country. And I kind of wonder what, what you know, especially since like both countries are essentially cousins, we can almost say, yes. right? we often yes. refer to Americans are our, our American cousins, what happened, you know, why all of a sudden the... the, the can I, can I ask
1: you a question oh, course, Canada of course. doesn't ha- uh, does Canada have an official state religion is it no. Church of England or something
2: uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not exactly sure it might because of its uh, ties to England uh, but yeah. I don't think it officially has that It does have a preamble uh, that actually kind of uh, invokes God at the beginning but ever yeah, since no, ni- yeah. especially 1987, um, the, the Supreme Court has always ruled that Canada would be ruling as a secular democracy
1: right well i mean um uh you know the uh, britain is uh, is is uh st- is nominally secular also but the state um uh, made, uh uh they they provide financial support for a particular strain of mm-hmm. religion and my you know my theory has been and i've gotten some i i'm i'm not i know that i'm not a goller of um the state of religion in Europe but uh, I apparently some of this is, is quite on target and some of it might be a little bit not quite right but my theory is that the, what we're seeing in Europe the reason why it's so secular is as a result of the government uh, prov- uh, basically supporting one particular uh, br- uh, um, denomination and the reason I that i suspect that that happens is in in the united states it's uh all religions are on equal footing right all denominations are on equal footing so it's it's all it's all about them going out and marketing right it's all about going out and trying to uh draw in as uh, uh, as much support as they can from the general public, right? They have to fight for it. In, in Europe, they can fight for that, but it's unfair, right? All the religions that are not the ones that are fostered by the state governments um, have a, uh, have a disadvantage. And so they don't get very strong, and then the you turn any you make anything a government institution, and people uh, I think become naturally a little bit uh, skeptical of it, or um, uh, you know they 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 take it less. Um, not quite sure how to put this.
2: They rebel against it. Uh,
1: <sighs> I guess. Well, we'll say it. We'll say it that way for now. Plus, you know, the the official state religion doesn't have to proselytize at all mm. because they're covered by the support of the government. So, um, so I think that actually has turned out to be a recipe for uh, creating uh, secularism, if not atheism, in Europe over the decades uh um, not that I would like to see that happen here, but I, I think my suspicion is that something like that is the reason why we see so much virulent religion here in the U.S. and um, not so much in Europe. I, again, I, unless you could tell me um, the answer to my question about Canada.
2: Well, well, in, in, I, in the answer does... to you. As as compared to the Church of England, no, Canada does not support a particular (laughs) church. However, there is like uh, public funding sometimes that will go out there for uh, for Christian schools and stuff like that. So that's still yeah, that's still a fight we're fighting. But it's uh, nowhere near what England has or Germany has. A very similar system as well. But uh,
1: we have we have that kind of erosion too. um, You know, when it comes to government funds going to religion backed activities. and uh, uh, you know that's a that is a front on which r- uh, religions in the U.S. are co- they're constantly pecking away at that, trying to get more and more.
2: Hmm. So it's almost like saying the the uh, American love affair with free market capitalism has actually kind of merged with the religiosity to create this kind of hybrid, and this is why churches are so powerful right here in the states today.
1: Yeah, something like that. I wouldn't want to. It's a hypothesis at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, I I wouldn't want to hit that note too hard because I mean, right now, the we have a political party that you know, on the one hand, is all about um, is all pro religion and, and and if not um, anti Islam, right, pro Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, and also they are pretty much in the hip pocket of corporations. And so you're having those two things at the same time, but I I uh, I don't personally see how how that uh, how that happened other than the fact that when you have a lot of money, an easy way to manipulate people is by their religious beliefs, and I think that's I think I think uh, largely uh, the Republican Party in the U.S. is is uh, is Manipulating people by religion rather than religious.
2: yeah, it's an emotional but game again, instead of an intellectual
1: the, the, one. The, yeah, that's also a, a weird gray area too. You know, because we have quite overtly uh, fundamentalist political candidates too. So mm, yeah. it's, it's hard to say. It's some somewhere in there. I think something is something like what's going on.
2: Yeah, is, it's, it's very interesting to compare both countries. Um, I think uh, for the longest time, and um, we've been concerned up here in Canada with the uh, export of things uh, of religiosity, especially creationism. We're seeing it come across the border, uh, and it's becoming a bit more... Uh, in mainstream, right? I mean, uh, especially here in Abbotsford, <laughs> which happens to be like the Bible Belt of Canada, but it's nowhere near as bad as what you guys are facing down there in Oklahoma or these states. Uh, but you, you're, you're seeing politicians, especially conservative politicians, start to emulate the Americans and saying things like uh, "God bless Canada" and all that. Although it's usually met with some kind of mockery up here. Uh, but um, have you have you noticed? From your audience, that's pretty much worldwide. Um, a lot of people saying that, yeah, it seems like the Americans are exporting creationism other. Uh,
1: yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, we're doing our best to fight it here and, and making headway. I mean, when I started uh, attending the meetings of the atheist community of Austin um, back in the 90s, uh, the you know, the original group was meeting, you know, huddled together. In a corner of this bagel shop, uh, terrified that Christians were going to find out that they were meeting and burst in through the doors and mow them down with machine guns. I mean, it was really that bad uh, at the time because that was the height of Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell and all that mm. crap. Um, it has gotten way better. I mean, you never, ever used to see. Um, the mainstream media cover like what's the opinion of atheists about this thing and now we're getting a little bit of that so which is which is a huge development so we're moving in the right direction but but yeah uh that's being exported but again is it because um of people who honestly believe that crap or is it because that uh it has been demonstrated in the US that that kind of a pitch uh in politics works mm. you know mm. you never know and uh, you know so i i i don't i i i don't care <laughs> i just <laughs> i just i just respond to what's being said i'll take people at their word that they believe whatever words are coming out their mouth and hold them responsible for it
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> um jeff in in the past couple of weeks of course, this 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 interview is going to be broadcasted later during the year, actually at the beginning of the new year. But in the past couple of weeks, we've uh, had a resurgence of gun violence in the States. Uh, and actually, the whole world is talking about uh, the mass shootings and everything like that. But at the same time, especially on social media, there seems to be uh, a bit of a resurgence of... A bit of a push towards secularity and atheism. I mean, even the was it the New York Daily or the New York Times that came out with that uh, that, that page that says, you know, uh, God isn't fixing this. You know, this is this is much more bold than we've ever seen in the states and right in 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 front of everybody's face. Uh, does, yeah. does that give you hope?
1: Um, <laughs> uh, the it, sure the the uh, the growth of atheism gives me hope, and you know when that. We're seeing at the same time, you know, um, even crazier uh, outbursts of religiosity and religion-based violence, um, and I – because that's happening at the same time as the steady growth of, uh, of uh, secularism and atheism, I put that down to um, uh, desperation on the part of religion I think religious people are becoming aware that they're on the way out and this is a last desperate gasp to have their way Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know if they can't get it through you know uh, the normal legal process then they'll try to get it by opening fire Um, which is extremely unfortunate but if that's what nuts do when you put them in a corner
2: (laughs) tell me how you really feel jeff
1: (laughs) i think that's enough for now
2: (laughs) well like i said you guys are on the front lines um and um i know another difference between i guess uh, americans and canadians is um it seems much more difficult to um, mobilize canadians i think there's much more apathy on the Canadian side, maybe because we don't see religion as that much of a threat. But like, like you just said, you know, I, I've always said that, you know, it's like a wounded animal. Religion is a bit like a wounded animal now. It's becoming more dangerous than ever. So it's for for a guy who's on the front lines, who sees, you know, the battles, the daily battles you guys have with, you know, public schools, you know, trying to teach creationism and all that. What would you? Yeah. What advice would you give to uh, mostly apathetic atheists down there, or atheists as I call them? What what advice would Jeff D give him and say you know about the upcoming storm? I should say.
1: Well, I mean, if people have chosen to be apathetic, it's it, it's kind of impossible to motivate them until they see the consequences of the of their apathy. You know, here in the U.S., we still have within the atheist community the, um, atheists who complain about the so called new atheists, who are the guys that are like me, who are outspoken, right? And will, will speak our mind. There's a great cartoon that goes around Facebook where, you know, it's like uh, there's two panels. In the first panel, there's a religious guy pointing a finger at the atheist and saying, shut up. And that's captioned old atheists. Mm-hmm. And the second picture is the same thing. The guy say the religious guy is saying shut up and the atheist is saying no. And that's new atheists, right? <laughs> um there's still people who, you know, uh, the, they they look for any possible excuse to criticize um uh you know the the four horsemen uh fellas, or uh guys like me and uh even guys like Matt who are relatively um um, uh, uh, polite (laughs) in their dealings with Christian, with Christians. Um, and you know, I just, I always try to remind them, you know, you can say what you like about how uncomfortable our outspokenness may make you, but we got where we are now when the old atheists, uh, were on watch, you know? Yeah. That way, that way, being quiet and silent and just letting um, nonsense grow and fester and become instit- institutionalized, that's how you get to the place where you have so much of a problem that you have to speak out. So a little bit of speaking out. When you see nonsense and you'd like to discourage it from uh, taking root and growing, uh, a little bit of uh, outspokenness uh, might be uh, uh, advised. That's very good advice, I'll say.
2: Um, Thank you so much, Jeff. Here's, Here's the mic. It's all yours, my friend. Go ahead. Plug yourself. Be shameless. Go right ahead.
1: Oh, my. Uh, all right. So we've got the Nonprofits Audio Podcast. Uh, we go out live, I think it's 730 on uh, every um, every other Wednesday. Uh, I'm sorry, not every other. It's the first and th- uh, third Wednesdays of each month. Uh, you can find us at the Atheist Community of Austin website, uh, www.atheist-community.org org uh there's a link from there to our show page and uh there's ways to listen live and there's ways to listen to the recorded shows and so on and the ACA of course also does the uh atheist experience um video show yes
2: uh and there you go there you go well, thank you so much, Jeff. Guys out there, I re- highly recommend the podcast. It's the Nonprofits with Jeff D. Russell Glasser and Dennis LeVay. Correct, uh, right. Jeff. Uh, any chance we're going to see you up here in Canada one of these days?
1: <laughs> I don't know if somebody wants to wants to invite me up to a, a Canadian atheist convention. I was there once as a kid oh, on really? a family vacation.
2: Well, okay, well, we'll try it to was see. If very can, nice, as I recall. We'll try to see if we can pull <laughs> some strings and maybe bring you up here one of these days. You have All friends right. up here, Jeff. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Kevin. Bye now.
2: And that was Jeff D. Great fellow. Uh, like I said, I re- highly recommend the podcast. Well, that takes us to towards the end of our show. Coming up for you guys, for everybody that wants to follow our show, and you really should, <laughs> we have uh, the Science of Magic that's going to be coming up. As well as uh, next show, we're going to be talking about uh, food supplements. We're going to take a skeptical look into food supplements. We have the atheist rapper, Baba Brinkman, that's going to be coming on, as well as a guest from the Center for Inquiry. Lots of things coming up on Left of the Valley. For everybody out here, all my co-hosts, thank you so much for listening. Say bye, Felicia.
0: Bye-bye. See you later. (laughs) Have a good one.